Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another week of the Max Potential Habits podcast. You know that this is your place to come every week for tips, tools, and inspirational interviews to help you optimize your habits so you can thrive in your life and business. And this week, I'm super, super psyched to have on an expert in human optimization. And he comes from a perspective of looking at the masculine and the feminine dynamics of how to optimize yourself. He does a lot of work in the relationship world. And one of his coolest releases that's coming out that he's going to talk about is a Love Amplify workshop. Sounds like it's going to be amazing. I'm sure he'll tell us a whole bunch about it. Just to give you a little bit of background on him, he's been immersed in deep men's empowerment work and the exploration of intimate and sacred relationships. He blends Eastern and Western methodologies and philosophies. He promotes balance, union, and power in life and love. You can all see why I wanted to have him on. When I went to look at his Instagram, I think I found him through um, LinkedIn, and I went to look at his Instagram and I was like, oh yeah, just gobbling it up. All the things that we talk about here on Max Potential Habits. He has videos talking about how to own that you're enough, things to stop doing in relationships, ways to empower yourself, conquering your inner demons, all these awesome things that align and resonate so much with what we all love here. And so welcome to the show today, Steph Stefanos. Oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Actually, I'm looking at two different things. Sinfondos. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So give us some background. I'd love to hear how you got into the world of looking at masculine, feminine, human optimization. I think it's such a powerful conversation that needs to be had. And I would love to know how you got there. I've had a keen interest in the human mind for, well, since I can remember, since I was very young and how we would behave and interact and, and to be very transparent. A lot of that came from experiencing a great deal of pain and volatility in my environment. I grew up in a very violent um, family environment, violent upbringing. Father was very emotionally, physically abusive. My parents together fought a great deal. So it was a turbulent time, my childhood. And so I, I observed that. And Dr. John Martini, he mm. says our voids often become our values. So what I didn't get as a child became something I really pursued as an adult. I experienced isolation as a child. I experienced feeling alone. Um, had to grow up very quickly, uh, had, to, had to fend for myself, you know, developed very unhealthy habits around codependency and around insecurity and around aggression and violence and all of that. And so as an adult, once I started to really look at those big emotions and the trauma that I faced and experienced, I very much realized that uh, there's a reason why I'm attracted to <laughs> helping people and wanting people to understand their own potential and their own inner power as well because so, so much of that was taken from me and I gave so much of that away. And so when I realized that there's a way through that and there's a way to actually regain our power and our sense of self in a genuine, healthy way that doesn't compromise our integrity and our relationships with others, but rather enhances our communication and our presence and our relationships then it was very difficult for me to not want to share that with others. See, I'd wanted to do that from a very young age. In fact, when I was younger, I had a dream to be the UN Secretary General because I had some idea that that particular organisation was one that would feed the starving and eradicate poverty and all of these things that I didn't experience starvation or poverty. Well, poverty, yes, per se, but not starvation. But I experienced not feeling safe. 
Mm-hmm. And I would see these children starving on TV and I'd see all this violence in the world. And I thought, well, maybe I can make a difference. And, you know, that's ultimately was pain that drove me. But as I started to sift through that and really clear up my past and move through those big feelings and, and forgive and go through my own internal processes, it became very natural and organic for me to then be that in the world, but from a more empowered place. Again, I was, I've been in the personal growth space for, 15 plus years. Um, however, I haven't really embraced it pro- until I really started doing my deeper work, not just tinkering on the edges and dipping a toe in and then coming out because it got too much. I mean, that's pro- probably about six to seven years ago. Okay. Wow. Okay. Did you, this is so fascinating to me that you started with Martini. You know, I'm a trained facilitator in his method and values determination. Like he's the reason that I am where I am today. <laughs> So I've done, I've done his work. He's, he's, yeah, a, he's an interesting so guy. Cool. I think he's uh, undervalued in today's society. Oh, absolutely. I think that he doesn't appeal to the mainstream in the same way like someone like Tony Robbins or Correct. something does just because he goes really deep and you got to be ready to, to dive super, super deep into that part. Yeah. You know, when you said you've been in the space for 15 years and then about six or seven years ago, you decided to dig even deeper. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that, what does that practically look like? What was the difference or the shift for you or where you went to go even deeper? The difference was commitment and clarity and commitment and just just walking that path. Whereas before I would be involved in different businesses that would start, that would stop. I'd have massive income one month, nothing for a few months. So it was just, I was just trying to fill the gap. I was really chasing the next dopamine hit, whether it was business, entrepreneurship, um, whether it was sex compulsion or love compulsion or various other addictions and, and numbing, numbing practices and really was just not, not grounded. And I was very scattered in my energetic, in my, in my communication. I was very scattered in how I presented in the world. I was indecisive and I was uncertain within my own self. And I just, I was inconsistent in my behavior and inconsistent in my decision-making and my choices. And so what it looked like was I'm very clear that this is the path that I want to take. This is the business that I want to build. This is the service that I want to provide the world. And more importantly, I want to continue to grow within myself. And this is the area that I feel I need to be in to best, to best serve that. What was there a pivotal moment for you that had you shift mm. into decisiveness to make that commitment? There was, it was a series of pivotal moments, but the catalyst was a relationship that I was in that became, it unraveled itself because I was unfaithful in that relationship and I wasn't being authentic and in integrity in that relationship. And she found that out and, that, that was a, a series of events that unfolded that allowed me to make choices around, okay, who do I want to be? Where is this behavior coming from? What am I not looking at? What do I need to go deeper into? Um, and I had you know, spiritual arrogance. I thought I'd done so much deep work, yet I was behaving in ways that was completely not in alignment with who I was portraying to be and who I really wanted to be. So I had to go into that trauma. And so the, the, that was a catalyst. And then I... I, I had support, but I spent a lot of time in solitude as well, purposefully, not, not in isolation, but solitude to really unpack myself and become less self-reliant. Um, but I also had support from professionals, shamans, spiritual guides, energy healers, psychologists, counsellors, um, you know, in, in, schooled in various modalities that, that I was also simultaneously learning and formally educating myself as well. 
and again, that spiritual arrogance, because I've, I've got a degree and I've got a background in psychology and social psychology, behavioral science. And I thought, well, I know it all. I, I know everything. Why, why is this happening? It must be, it must be not me. It must be something else. It must be, it must be my environment. It must be their fault. It's their fault. You know, it's not my fault. I'm not responsible. It's their responsibility. And so I had to go through those ego deaths and, and dealing with the shame and the, the letting go of the arrogance around that as well. And that was a process in and of itself, but a very fruitful one and one that I'm very grateful to have taken. Wow. So powerful. It's, I've never heard the term spiritual arrogance and I really value it. Um, I think it's interesting because I have a similar background of so psychology, PhD in sociology, and I did research at Institute of Behavioral Sciences. So there's all this knowledge you can have, mm. but what's common knowledge isn't often in put into practice, right? Mm. So we can have all this information and have a history where we go, oh, I've learned so much, but if we don't implement it and actually practice it and really dive deep, it can be easy to blame other people or to look at like, oh, well, I know what I'm doing and you know, you're not quite sure what you're doing. So you know, I think about that a lot of times as spiritual bypass too, you know, like that idea of where you can kind of bypass the deeper inner work by using strategies that we know of. Mm. And so, you know, I love, thanks for sharing, because I think it's really important for people to know there's layers to me and levels of depth, you know, where you can go, you can go, okay, I'm into personal growth and development. You can go to a workshop and learn something, mm. but does that mean you put it into practice and actually shift your whole life and reality around it? Mm. That's another level. Um, I'm curious for you in those six years, you said, you know, where you've been practicing personal growth and development for the last 15 years. And then you made that decision based on the relationship transformation or that, you know, that you said a series of pivots. What, what was it for you? Ha, what have you noticed the difference between the 15 years and the six years where you really got serious and started to drop? You said e ego deaths and letting go of shame and spiritual arrogance. You know, what, what have you noticed differently now about yourself and, and who you're showing up as? Yeah. Well, to clarify the, just for those that may not know what this is, but the, the ego death is really a, it's a, it's now a detachment and maybe a, a, a reassociation with how we identified with the world. So I identified with this title and this status and making this much money and this demographic and, and so forth. Like whilst I haven't changed my gender as an example of my demographic, I've changed the way I relate in terms of what my values are, what my hierarchy of values are, what's important to me and how I let then live that. What's, what's noticeably different is my willingness and my ability to go into um, these big emotions and take responsibility for any anger that I'm feeling, any shame that I'm feeling, any fears that are arising as opposed to numbing them again with whether it be sex or pornography or work or alcohol or watching excessive television or hyper socialization. Um, the intention to when I, I get uncomfortable now, instead of ignoring it and avoiding it, I sit with it, I be with it, I embrace it, I welcome it into my sphere of reality and I don't ignore it. And that's a big difference. And what happens is by the paradox is you've got to go in to get out and the, quick, the the deeper you go in, the faster you get out in terms of those very uncomfortable feelings and emotions that are generally amplified by core issues that we haven't dealt with from our past that come into our present when we're of course being triggered by something that's very similar, either neurologically or, or in our environment, behaviorally, unconsciously, we're, we're recognizing that. And so 
as you know, what happens is the, the, the body comes and says, well, we've experienced something similar to this before. I'm going to flood you with every memory or emotional feeling that you've had in the past to make sure you really stay away from this because it's too much to deal with. And in the past, I will just do that, push it away and run the other way. Whereas now I welcome those feelings and I, and I, I feel safe in those feelings. So I don't have to avoid them and I can deal with them. And what I'm doing is I'm clearing old stuff, but I'm also learning new healthy coping strategies as opposed to the ones that I developed in childhood, which were all about, hey, you're literally about to die. You have to do this. I'm not in those situations now, but my brain body thinks it is. So it's about undoing all that. So I get to undo all that, which makes me more present in my relationships. I take out less on others and, and instead of projecting on others and blaming others and being abrasive with others i get to be calmer and get to be a more or genuine version of myself that isn't so volatile and consistent but rather consistent in how i show up mm, such good stuff okay so will you share with listeners some practical coping strategies so you know what i hear you sure. saying is our brain wants to go into fight flight freeze whenever we have something that's related to our past that triggered us that shaped us into that state and it's meant to protect us, but we, our brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not real mm. in the current moment. So we've mm. actually got to develop new strategies to be mm. able to be present in, the, in this moment. Yeah, so could you help uh, offer some coping strategies for yeah. listeners, some things that they can just do to sure. stay present? Sure. And just be very clear as well, this isn't just for those that are in intimate relationship or romantic partnership. This is for those that are entrepreneurs that experience volatility on a day-to-day -day basis, business uh, people, individuals in business and large companies as well. It, it, it's important that we don't react and that we are able to respond in life as often as we can because those decisions will be more empowering as opposed to coming from a place of survival, which often throws, you know, pardon the, the expression, but throws the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. And we need to do that. And so some practical tips, are we, we want a physiological state change is important. So whatever you can do to do that. Breath can really help. It's not always possible to drop and do 20 burpees, as an example, or go jump on a trampoline or a rebounder or go for a three-mile run sometimes when you're in the middle of something, but you can breathe, right? And so if you can breathe with intention and maybe three to five slow breaths come into the body and then feel the emotions, feel where they are in your body so you're moving through a mindfulness practice. And I'll give you a, a few different options for mindfulness. This can bring you back into the body and let you know that you're safe. So mindfulness can be the breath and feeling the tension or the anxiety or the feelings in your body and then giving it a, a color, a shape, a, a texture, a size, and, and just visualize that with yourself. You know, maybe you can disappear to an office or you disappear to the restroom or whatever it is for a few minutes. But another mindfulness practice is you can look around the room and you can do this discreetly, right? You can look around the room and start labeling objects. So choose five objects and label them. Name them, give them form, give them description, give them characteristics. That brings you back into the present moment. And in the present moment, you're a lot safer than what you think you are. Another mindfulness exercise is you can just literally just squeeze the tips of your fingers and pay attention. You can do that while you're having a conversation with someone. That can be, again, very discreet. And that can bring you back into the body. You can also ask the question, what would love do now? In internally, ask the question, what would love do now? Because would love really react? Would love be angry and aggressive? Would love blame and shame? No, love wouldn't do that. Love doesn't do that. You can ask another question. It doesn't have to be, what would love do now? It could be, what's in the highest good for me right here and right now? What is the highest good for this situation right here and right now? 
So you, there's many quality questions you can ask. And again, just to reference Demartini, the quality of the questions we ask determine the quality of the lives and the experiences that we live through. So we, we get to experience that. And so there are some tools that you can use um, in the moment to deal with anxiety or to deal with stress and pressure. You can also, preventative strategies are always the best, in my opinion, as opposed to curative strategies. But we also need curative uh, strategies, because, coping strategies, healthy ones, because, well, we live in a life that is unpredictable and uncertain. The preventative is always best. So having a, a routine, a practice where you're introspective and, and self-reflective reflective is very important because it helps you know yourself deeper. And when you know yourself at a deeper level, you're able to do more with yourself. An example of that could literally be 10, five to 10 minutes every evening. Just spend some time in stillness and silence reflecting on your day. Maybe it's some journaling or maybe it's just thinking about your day. How was my day? Did I show up in the way that I really wanted to? That conversation I had, was I really in integrity? Was I attentive to my, my beloved earlier this afternoon when she was expressing something that was really painful to her? I got a little bit of aggressive this morning with my eldest child. Could I have done that differently? Just reflecting. And that practice of introspection, it deepens our connection to ourselves. We get to know ourselves more so we're not confronted with so much unknown. And that feels safer and we become less reactive, more responsive, and stop blaming others so much as well, which just causes distance in, in relationships. Powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you so much. And everyone listening, I mean, rewind that and listen again. I, I so agree. You know, it's that mindfulness practice. I think sometimes when people hear the word mindfulness, they aren't quite sure. It, you know, it's like we all know that means being present in the moment, but how do you have practical strategies to do it? And mm. I think it's it's the easiest one sometimes. Like, okay, let's actually just sit and breathe. Like, just breathe. I breathe. Yeah. That has changed my life. I mean, I used to be a big time flighter, you know, when I would get upset, I would want to flight, just run away as fast as possible. And it was through counseling. She said, you know, just go get a glass of water, take three to five breaths and then see where you're at. And it changed my life, you know, just changed the whole structure around the way that the relationship conversations would go. And I think you're so right. It's not just in relationship. It's in your relationship to yourself. It's in the way that we build our business. It's, it could be an email that you get that causes you to go into that mode and you just sit and breathe with it for a few minutes and get mindful and ask yourself what would love do now i love mm. those questions you said what's the highest good for this situation what would love do now those are really powerful questions yeah um let's talk a little bit about the masculine feminine i know that that's an area of expertise for you so share with us some of your thoughts around masculine feminine and and uh human potential or the way that you think about human optimization in that realm yeah so masculine feminine dynamic or energetics are an expressive state or states that exist within every human being. It's the yin yang, it's alpha omega, it's Shiva Shakti. It's just a way to understand the world in polarity. And it's really two sides of the same coin. Now masculine feminine is not um, uh, solely connected to gender. So in other words, masculinity as an expressive energetic and I'll, I'll, I'll give a conceptual example, but I'll also give some pra pragmatic examples, isn't only associated with men or males. However, and vice versa, for likewise for females and the feminine. However, there is a strong correlation to gender. 
but it's not exclusive to gender. We can't, again, can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We are biological beings. We have evolved over millions of years. And masculinity and femininity is a combination of sexual and attraction dynamics uh, based in biology and hormones, based in gender, based in culture, based in conditioning. It's based in a number of different areas of who we are as, as humans. And we take all of that into consideration. And what we want to do is we want to consider masculine and feminine dynamics like um, magnets, positive and negative charge. And when a positive negative charge comes together, it comes together very nicely. And you will discover what your core energetic is. And it's either going to be masculine or feminine. That doesn't mean that you won't have let's say your core energetic is masculine doesn't mean that you won't have any feminine expressive just means that you're going to lead with your masculine energetic and it is true that for most men and again whatever the the product of this is conditioning or environment or biology or something more more quote-unquote fixed although nothing's really fixed within us um it's important to understand that most men are going to lead with a masculine energetic, not all though, definitely not all. And most females, their core energetic will be feminine. However, it's not, we're not always going to lead with that. We're not always going to be confident in leading with that or whatever our core energetic is. And again, for various reasons, childhood trauma, family values, cultural values, media, um, how we've been sexualized, our relationship to our sexuality and sex itself, our relationship to our, our own sense of self, so our self-worth, many, many factors that influence this. But essentially from a conceptual point of view, masculinity is an active energy. It's an activating energy. This, doesn't, this won't mean too much right now, but I'll give some examples. It's a leading energy. It is a doing energy. It is a go energy. And it is more of an exclusive energy. So, for example, in business, um, you can have a CEO of a company and if they have a masculine energetic where they're leading with a more masculine energetic in the company, that would be that they're more exclusive in their, in their leadership style. That means that they're going to make decisions more than likely without really consulting others, whereas the feminine energetic is more inclusive. And so if you have a, a leader or a CEO of a company, as an example, and they have an inclusive style of leadership or an inclusive feminine energetic with how they lead, they're going to collaborate. They're going to, they're going to call more regular meetings. They're going to ask the opinions of their C-suite, other C-suite executives and their senior management. They're going to get more people involved. Neither is wrong or right in terms of the management style. However, one will be more effective or efficient depending on all the circumstances that are connected to that. So there's a real tangible example. I'll give you another one in, in relationships. The masculine energetic, the feminine wants to be led. The masculine wants to lead naturally. Masculine wants to be the hero of everyone's life that is in their life, right? That doesn't mean that if you're a female with a core energetic of feminine, that you want the man, you're a damsel in distress and you want the man to make all the decisions for you. Not at all. Let's get away from that. Not archaic, but it's a redundant form of thinking. It's not about that. We're talking about energetics. Basically, every woman that I work with, um, when, I, when they, they say to me, I don't even have to ask them, they say to me, I wish my man would lead more. I wish the man in my life would make more decisions. I wish he would just decide where we go on a date. And that's a chief complaint. 
because when we're looking at society, we're seeing men that are becoming hyper-feminized. That doesn't mean that they're turning into females. Let me be very clear on that. It means that their energetic is becoming more and more feminine. And for some women, in fact, many women, that's not, that doesn't feel in alignment. It doesn't feel quite unquite natural. That's a, that's a funny word to use that word. It's an interesting word to use that word natural. And so again, it doesn't mean that that woman wants the man to make all the decisions. Definitely not. It means that the energy that he's coming from, she wants him to be decisive. She wants him to be self-reliant. She wants him to be present. She wants him to be reliable. Now, when we're able to make decisions and we have clarity and we're confident in ourselves, it denotes all of these things. Now, these things are deeply connected to attraction dynamics and to our biological unconscious functioning. So the way our genes basically operate in order to attract mates. So there's two, there's two main pools in our humanity. There's the procreation part and there's the bonding part. And they're both quite different and they both serve different purposes. And the, the procreation part, again, deeply, deeply vested in the, in the substructures of our brain, in the oldest parts of our brain. And it can be really difficult to switch that off. And we don't necessarily want to switch it off, but we want to understand it. And we want to understand the importance of, of uh, pair bonding and, role, um, um, and bonding, emotional bonding as well, and the role that that plays. So we're driven by so many unconscious factors. I don't want to go too, down too many rabbit holes because it can, it can get very confusing. But there are some examples of, of masculine and feminine dynamics. So awesome. So I, I, uh, my, my specialty was in gender. And so I taught mm. sex, gender, and society for a lot of years at the University of Colorado Boulder. So I love these conversations. Mm. And I, I really was challenged at first when I met John Demartini because he would talk about mm. how there needed to be a not, how equality would not lead to sexual attraction. Because there needed to be about a 70-30 divide, it, you know, where there's that masculine feminine pull. And yeah. I struggled with that at first. And as I've done this work and as I've, you know, leaned more into it, I'm like, oh, I see it over and over again that what you're mm -hmm. saying, you know, it's like those, it, it's not that a man is 100% masculine and a woman oh. is 100% feminine. It could be reversed but that. And, and it doesn't mean that equality doesn't necessarily mean that each person is 50-50, you know, meeting each other or 100-100 in a relationship, right? But there's those energy. I love that you use the word energetics behind it. You know, yeah. the core energetics, and and thinking about how it lies along a spectrum, and that you can really play with some of that, and it shows up in the way that you relate to your friends, your partners, your colleagues, your team, your yeah. kids. You know, it's like a, it's a really powerful force, and I don't think enough people talk about that part of reality. You know, it's like. No. Yeah, I, I would love, I mean, I what you're saying to me is really interesting and important. What, what do you think if people are noticing, because you said one of the common issues is for women to say, you know, men, I want my man to be more decisive. Um, what does that practically look like for you? And even in, let's say, you know, a lot of people listening are entrepreneurs and business owners. How does that play out in the business setting and what can people do to strengthen their energetics for the team or for their business? Yeah, so identify. So I want to come back to something. This is a very interesting point. Equality. Equality is a very interesting word, right? And so, equality. We're not equal. You're, you're as a female and as a, a male. Your hormonal profile is. I don't want to say completely different, but different, noticeably different enough. We're not equal. Our brains are a little different in the way we we function. Our bodies are different. Our cultural conditioning is different. 
I think the issue is, is that we don't celebrate the difference. That's the mm. issue that we, we, we are threatened by the difference and mainly men, mainly men are threatened by the difference. And I think that's a, I have a, a theory around, I'm not the first to say this, but I think it's an unconscious complex we have that we, it's not a, it's not a jealousy. It's a less than that we can't, we can't give birth. And so I think there's this constant, oh, we're trying to do better so we can at least come to some form of equality. And this is the point we're not equal. And we don't need to be equal. We all we we both have our different strengths, and that's how we come together to be this this amazing amazing community and society, right? In so many respects, I think it's equity is what we're after. We want equal access to resources. We want e- and we don't want to be discriminated because of gender or skin color or the size of our heads or how tall we are, or how short we are. Or how we want equity as human beings. I think that's that's an important distinction to make, and there's relevance to that because it lends itself into the energetic expression of self but i'll go back to your questions as well um which one do you want me to answer first and there's about three or four there first i want to say awesome i love that you pulled that out there the big difference between equity and equality and yeah. it's so true will you say from your definition what would that mean what would equity mean versus equality i think for me equity is the it's the um, fair fair distribution of resources what we have access to and the, 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 it's not what we have access to isn't discriminated based on physical characteristics or anything else for that matter. Now that that's, there's a gray area there because then you can say, well, what about those that menace society or those that are criminals? Should they have equal um, or fair access to resources as well? That's a different conversation. I, I, I feel it's a different conversation. What I'm really talking about is we're not discriminating on gender. We're not discriminating on, on race or ethnicity. We're not discriminating on, so although we do it, though, I mean, it's, we, we live in a world of, of uh, hypocrisy. I was yeah, about to say, yeah. you know, we don't discriminate on socioeconomic status, but we do. The reality right. is that you and I, we can, we can go and apply to a university. You want to do another PhD? You're good to go. The homeless person that lives down the road, or lives on the street down the road, are they going to be able to do a PhD as e- easily? No, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like we can just keep peeling it back and peeling it back and peeling it back in terms of who has more access to to resources, consciously and unconsciously. And we don't live in an equitable world. That's the issue. We yeah. don't live in an equitable world for many reasons. I think that's a rabbit hole. I don't know if you want to go down. I'm happy to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it, it's funny because my sociologist comes out sometimes. I'm yeah. like, oh, let's dive deep into this yeah. conversation. I think, you know, I always like to bring practical. I love to go deep and nerd out in our areas yeah. that we love and then also bring practical tips and strategies. So I don't thinking, know what equality is. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think, it, yeah. I don't know if, know if equality exists yeah i think the fantasy of of it people talk about right but it's like people if you're not in the same starting point how can you create equality you've got to create equal access and you've got to create different stepping blocks uh, at the moment as societies because we've created a rod for our own back because of how we've discriminated in the past based invested in essentially fear yeah the unknown fear of someone being different yeah. Yeah. And we create distinction and distinct groups in order to create marginalization. It's just really, it's and we massive. layer those distinct groups with meaning, usually yeah. a negative connotation associated with it, which, which builds a case for propaganda, propaganda against those people. Yes. And now we're talking about in-group, out-group, and now we're saying which is then the dehumanization and you know it goes on and on and on yeah such power i mean especially just right now thinking about all of the things that are happening 
but yeah, let's, let's go this direction of thinking sure. about, <laughs> uh, you know, think, I, I, I like the conversation around masculine, feminine in the workplace and yeah. not even like, you know, most people here are entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. They're not necessarily like small business owners. I wouldn't say so. They're not, sure. you know, they might be running teams and things like that, but uh, you know, I, I like to think about those dynamics in your business. Like, how does that show up? You know, for me, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I, like, I show up often very, like, I have a masculine energy in a lot of ways. I present very feminine, but I have a masculine energy. My last partner really, he ended up having an affair. And one of our big conversations was like, I'm too masculine for him. You know, so it was like he, and it's because I'm becoming, you know, this empowered woman and powerful in business. And it wasn't, it was challenging his masculinity, you mm -hmm. know, which is interesting to me. I, I you know, I, I think about those, but he's not confident in his masculinity. Right, exactly. And so he's there's that conversation, but it's, it shows up, you know, and I think part of the reason for me with being a coach, I work with a lot of men. And I think part of the reason is because I can show up in a masculine way, but also sure. hold that soft space of femininity. And so I sometimes think about how to balance that out, you know, so I don't know where that conversation wants to go, but I, it's, it's playful to me and interesting. Yeah, sure. So let's use an example of a, of a female that, is is a CEO of a company or runs her own business is, is very successful outwardly and inwardly you know she's very satisfied with what she's achieved and what she's achieving again goal orientation achievement these are masculine energetics right you know um, completion energy setting a task uh, completing a university degree that's a completion it's a masculine style of relating in the world right yeah um, it's an active energy whereas the feminine energy is a more passive energy again that doesn't mean that you're being meek or weak as, as an individual that is in your feminine energy is sometimes we have to be passive. It actually serves us to be passive and passivity doesn't mean that we are becoming complacent. It doesn't mean that we are, uh, that we are becoming, um, what's that word? Um, will come to me. It doesn't mean that we, we are resigned. So we, there's no resignation there. Passivity doesn't mean resignation. It does mean surrendering. It does mean acceptance. And sometimes we have to accept in order to allow new experiences into our world. But let's just take the example of a woman who's in her masculine energetic a great deal during the day. She's making decisions. She's executing. She's in active energy. She's leading teams. She has to be exclusive sometimes in her, in her decision-making. She's a lot of doing, there's a lot of doing, a lot of go energy, very, very, um, very rapid in her thinking, very analytical. And she's got a, she's in a partnership with a man and her chief complaint is that she can't connect with her man. She can't, she's, she's almost too much in her masculine and when she's at home, she's telling him what to do. She's, she's not switching out from workplace to home life. And he's too much in his feminine as well. He's not, he's not in his power. He's not in his healthy, connected power. And he's unable to make decisions and he doesn't want to make decisions. And he's, go, he's more with the flow and flow is more of a feminine energetic. Being is more of a feminine energetic. Passivity is more of a feminine energetic inclusivity. And that after a while, maybe at the beginning, it matches. But after a while, if someone wants more or someone wants different, it's not going to, it's not going to matter. There seems to be a mismatch. This isn't always the case. It's often the case. So you can take it as, as you want to take it. From my experience working with so many different people. And so 
both people have to come to the party. Both people have to do their part and do their work. It's not that one person does something and the other person just sits back and then adapts. It's both people really leading themselves. That's Mm -hmm. essentially the, the key here is both people make the decision to be willing to make changes within the paradigm of their relationship. But speaking to the, to the uh, female directly for a moment, her opportunity is to, when she leaves home, she, masculine energy is a giving energy and feminine energy is a receiving energy. And just look at simple biology. Look at how we copulate, how we procreate. The feminine is receiving the masculine. There's an insertion into the body, literally. The masculine is giving his energy. He's giving, he's giving himself. So there's a giving and receiving when we're talking about male and female, but also masculine, feminine dynamic. And so if, if the, the feminine, if that woman is in giving all day long, she wants to move into a receiving mode. That's a really important part. Because if she feels, if she feels really disconnected from herself, if she feels that she can't trust the masculine in her life, and maybe that's because of old wounding or hurt, maybe her father wasn't around or maybe, she has a father wound there, which isn't a clinical diagnosis in any capacity, but it's just an indication of helping us understand codependency and other, you know, other psychological conditions. But she has a father wound or, or there's something there where she didn't have a healthy masculine role model or a healthy male role model in her life. She had to be that for herself. And that's becoming tiring for her as well. And that, that man in her life needs to show up in a way that's healthy and transparent and clear and decisive and active in his own energetic. But what she can do is slip into a receiving role. In other words, the moment she, maybe she drives home or she catches a train home or whatever it is, but the moment that she leaves the office, maybe locks the key or the moment she walks out, something changes within her where she starts to receive. Maybe she puts on some nice music as she's walking to her car. As she gets in her car, she's thinking about all the feeling into what are the feelings that she wants to experience this evening? Is it a softness? Is it a compassion? Is it a, a love? Is it what, how can she receive? How can she just accept that her husband or her partner wants to do something very kind for her? Maybe he wants to run her a bath. Maybe she does that for herself, but she moves into this receiving mode where she's not so active, not so highly energized and energetic. And there's more of a passivity there. And the role that he would play is that he steps into his power and into his leadership as a, as a masculine man and is able to remove the decision-making process from the woman in his life. Now, what that automatically does is if that's what both people want, and if that's what they both desire, and they start to move with respect to what's natural to their energetic, there's always an interchange and an oscillation between giving and receiving. He's going to get exactly what he wants, i.e. receive from the woman in his life when he gives to her in the way that she wants. And as she's receiving, she wants to give back. It's just very natural and organic. It's not anything that has to be thought about. It's not, has to, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at your life and say, where am I not allowing? If I'm looking at giving and receiving energy, am I overgiving? You know, I'm instructing people to do this at work. I'm taking lead and taking charge. I'm making decisions. I'm looking at finances. Well, on the weekend or in other parts of my day, where can I just relax? Where can I, when I, where can I be in that receiving energy? What does it look like for me? So, you know, we get to ask each other, ourselves those questions. Yeah. Okay. I want to point out that that was powerful in, in my mind. What really stands out is this, I, 
the dynamic of a relationship and the conversation around first you noticing and being mindful for yourself, whether you're in that more masculine or feminine. And if you want to balance it out with you, with yourself and with your partner, then asking yourself those questions so that you can preventatively step into the relationship and go, okay, I'm, I'm transitioning from work to home and I want to have this dynamic relationship. So I'm going to ask myself, how can I, if you know, if you want to be on the feminine end, how can I receive more and if you're on the masculine end how can I give more and then that decisiveness shows up for him and you know and any you, whatever gender you are even right it's just playing mm. out that masculine feminine playfulness and dynamic together through the conversation and setting the context for it that's, that's powerful stuff I mean practically for you know just in one more idea for people listening what would you say is the most common issue you find you said for women it's wanting their men to be more decisive would you say that's one of the oh I wouldn't say that's the most I wouldn't say that's the most prevalent it's it's more women wanting and research you know John Gottman's Institute looks at this quite a lot but the, the number one thing that women want is really trustworthiness in a man and, but again I mean it's easy to surmise that and say oh it's just be trustworthy but what that entails is availability active listening attentiveness presence um, integrity body language changes reliability self-honoring um, being consistent in behavior um, clarity of who we are um, connected to our own passions and there's so much that goes with that trustworthiness that's developed over time that that is the most common thing and another thing is that men aren't doing their inner work you know men men aren't doing that they're not looking at themselves which of course someone's truth is true and that's also changing that's a little bit of an old ideal that's still permeating today's world that's not necessarily completely accurate because i work with men hundreds of men at a time yeah where there are a lot of men that are the men's movement is uprising and they're doing yeah. deep work. That's I really sure. noticed that as well. Yeah. Men really yeah. want to step up and, and step in and lean power. in and yeah. connect. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think yeah. that, you know, socialization wise, we've got this new era of men that are going like, okay, I want to have a, an amazing relationship. I want to be an amazing person. How do I show up powerfully? And I think women want that. Yeah. You know, and, and so, okay. So then for women, what would it, so you were saying that, that for men, what about for men, what they want of women, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about most listeners are in some sort of relationship or, and this is also applicable to any type of relationship, but if you're in an intimate partnership, what would you say are some of the most common things for men wanting from women that they're looking for? So what, what the research shows is that men want two things. They want to not have conflict an argument and they want more sex. Now, this is females and males, females generally want more sex than men, actually, again, from an evolutionary perspective, uh, from a, uh, what's happening hormonally, uh, procreation uh, wise. But when men are really saying they want more sex, they really want to be acknowledged, they want to be validated, they want to be respected and appreciated, they want to be seen. Now, these are human, these are universal needs. They're not exclusive to men however it's very prominent in men that acknowledgement validation appreciation and acceptance for who we are we don't want to be judged on our past we don't want to be blamed for who we've been in the past we want to be appreciated for who we are we want to be loved for who we are so there's there's a lot of that there's a lot of that um and that's what really men do want and you know we both we both we all have to we all have to work on that we all have to do our part to, to meet each other where we're at. And what happens is if we all make the commitment, and this is in business as well. Like if you, if we all make the commitment to give 
and to really just give from a wholehearted place, a loving place. If we make that commitment, we can't not, not receive. We have to receive. It's just by default we're receiving because if you're giving and the other person's committed to giving, then you're going to get something. And if we focus on giving and the quality of giving, we're filling people's cups. And if they feel full, they're going to be able to give abundantly from their overflow. And that goes for the same for you. And so, you know, we get stuck in this scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. However, there's great value in giving and there is a, there's an abundance of giving that we have ability to, to step into. Yeah. Oh, so much value here. Okay. But that's the, that's the story. Just say something on that, which is interesting because giving is a masculine energy. So we want to focus on the masculine energy, but by default or by, by natural outcome, what's happening, we're receiving. And so there's the balance. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Like we can't have masculinity without femininity. It's relational. It's something we're comparing it to something. You can't say up, up. What does up mean? It, it's up relative to down or yeah. lower. It's, so it's, it's contrast and we grow and learn through contrast. So we need masculinity. So if masculinity is toxic, guess what? So is femininity. If yeah. masculinity is healthy, guess what? So is femininity because you, you can't have one without the other, because even if you're comparing healthy masculinity to toxic masculinity or unhealthy, healthy, that's great. But the, the, that's a subcategory. The category is masculinity. Masculinity has a reference point of femininity and vice versa. Yeah. So we need each other. We've got to stop moving out of this. It's not separation. It's polarity. It's two sides of the same coin. Two sides yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's Demartini's definition of love, right? The synthesis and synchronicity of complementary yeah. opposites. So it's this idea of that it's, I think of it as shadow work too. You know, it's like you it can't is. have masculinity be devoid of anything because it is all part and parcel of masculinity, right? So those toxic parts create the healthy parts and vice versa. It's like, how do you play with that energy? How do you become empowered where you're embracing it all and showing up in a powerful way so you can optimize yourself? I, you know, I, oh, so many good conversations. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Let, let's see this. What would you say are your top three max potential habits that got you where you are today? Uh, willingness is definitely one of them. It's, it's underestimated. It's in my opinion, it's an underestimated um, tool that we can utilize. Um, willingness to go into the discomfort, willingness to look at the stuff that is sometimes very difficult for us to look at. Um, so willingness is very important. Um, my breath practice is, is a habit. I'm a, I'm a breathwork facilitator as well, but it's a habit that, has saved me, you know, and not only saved me, but has, has enhanced my, my life, my, has enhanced my life. And God, there are so many, um, you know, I'd say my stillness practice, um, just, just sitting in silence and stillness on a daily basis and just being with whatever arises to my awareness. And I'll just say a bonus one, my movement practice, just physically training and moving my body. That's, these are essential things in my life. Awesome. Thank you. Those are great. Okay. I know people are going to want to check you out. Tell us kind of the variety of options that to work with you and learn more about how to work with masculine, feminine, feminine dynamics. And, you know, you were talking about human optimization, relationships, trauma, childhood wounding, all of those kind of things. Where can people find you and what do you offer? Yeah. So you can find me on my website, stephanosafandos.com or uh, coach with Steph. Um, so you just coachwithsteph.com um, and you can apply directly to work with me in a one-on-one capacity there. I have programs, online programs. I run retreats. 
um, uh, by myself and with my beloved, my wife. Um, we have an amazing retreat in September, end of September in Austin, Texas, called Love Amplified. It's a five-day workshop, five-day retreat, and um, that's exciting. It's really about enhancing your own connection to self, uh, you know, that self-love practice, that that connection to a, either a higher power or a higher purpose, and your connection to the, the key relationships in your life and how can you optimize all of those. So we really go deep into that in the five days. We have an amazing program for um, single women called Be The Queen, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, an online virtual program, but we have a graduation, in-person graduation at the end of that. Uh, we're about to start, I mean, we're obviously filming earlier, shooting earlier now, but we're about to start um, ours, the, May the 5th. Um, but that's pretty much full. So um, there's about 70 women in that container. It's an amazing, amazing container. And that's really helping women just clear up a lot of their own past and then their own pain and step into what does it look like to be in a harmonious relationship and, and call in the, that healthy relationship that they deserve and desire. Um, but yeah, my one-on-one practice is, is something that is a, a big focus for me as well. Awesome. Incredible. That's so great. And so for everyone listening, of course, I'll have everything in the show notes. And the way that I found Steph was on, I think it was on LinkedIn first, but then he has a ton of great tips and tools on Instagram. So that link will be there. If you like what you've heard, be sure to tag both of us, take a screenshot of the podcast, tag both of us, blast it out to social media channels to let more people listen, because that's why we're here. We spend our time to come here to bring you deep conversations to help you optimize yourself. And so we'd love it if you'd share. Uh, For Steph, his is Steph. I'll, I'll put the link in there. It's Steph. Let's see for Instagram. Steph, um, I'm making sure I have the right one. Tell me what your handle Stephanos is. Stephanos is my handle. At, it on, is. On, okay. On social okay. media, yeah. Oh, great. On all of them. Okay. Yes. So blast them out to social media with that and add NFA coaching. That really helps us out, helps us reach more people and make a larger impact. So thank you so much for being here. That was a really wonderful conversation. Thank you for Lots having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. I'm so glad that you were here. I hope you have a really incredible week where you optimize yourself so you can thrive and feel alive. And I will be back next week with more tips for you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free eBooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.